0: Yikes. Yikes am I bad at this. <laughs> I just went back to listen to the first episode and um, it was a bit rough. It was a bit rough. I'm not going to lie to you. So for some reason or another, I'm, I'm back for a second round. Uh, yeah, I, I apologize in advance for all the all the trouble that you may be going through in listening to all this, but you know what? We're going to keep on going. Uh, more than anything, if if you're listening or even if no one's listening, this is kind of a nice exercise in figuring out how I can get better at presenting myself, you know, minimizing the ums and ahs and the weird mouthy noises and all that. Cause you know, at the end of the day, scientists, doctors, whatever, they're all, uh, going to end up being presenters in some way. And I, I may as well work on getting better at that. So yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for coming back. We're here for episode two of top snacks, top cast. I thought I would start off by talking about why exactly I'm calling this that, why I'm using this like pseudo pseudonym of Top Topsnack. Um, my name, my real name is available, I'm not, I'm not ashamed to talk about my real name. I'm more just worried that if one day I am a real doctor or a real whatever, some kind of professional and clients, namely patients, uh, Google my name, I don't want uh, random stuff I put on YouTube or SoundCloud or whatever to come up as like a first result. And, uh, you know, those kinds of things don't really instill confidence. I don't plan on making dick jokes or anything like that. But, you know, I'm sure sooner or later I'll I'll say something really crass, unintentionally maybe, and uh, I don't want that coming back to bite me too much. So there we go. Uh, Why Tops Neck? It's uh, for a couple of reasons. It's this name that uh, was given to me somewhat, uh, you know, somewhat nicely by some college roommates of mine. And I think the origin goes back to this old meme, um which maybe I'll talk about later, but it's a meme about or it's a meme based on a Facebook post posted by an Indian woman on facebook um and so that's kind of where this top snack thing kind of got started is uh that way uh for context my my last name is Dopkar. and so they, the, that name has a top in it. And so, top top snack. It kind of you know went from there. Anyways, so top snack. That's what I'm using that pseudonym for. I don't plan on hiding my real name or anything. It just I, I just don't want the the real name to map onto some of this weird stuff I'm putting online. You know, if I ever put it online. Well, no, <laughs> who knows? Um, yeah. Other things. So I'm, you know, a few weeks into studying for this exam now. This this big board exam that I'm studying for for med school. Uh, you can listen to the first episode of this podcast to learn more about what that L is about. But honestly, it's kind of brutal. Um, it's it's been pretty brutal doing like hundreds and hundreds of flashcards every day, just trying to cram all this stuff in my brain. It is a bit rewarding, you know. It, it it's cool to see, you know, some of these things all kind of starting starting to click together for me, and seeing practice uh, question scores slowly track up. But it's tough. It's tough, and I'm I definitely have a lot more. Uh, a lot more appreciation for people who have gone through this before me now. Um, so yeah, props to, to, to anyone out there who's already taken step one, who's already maybe even already a doctor, because um, this is this is hard stuff, you guys. This is hard stuff to to get down and get right. So, and and for those of you that don't know me that well, uh, after this exam, I'll be going back to campus and starting a PhD in biophysics, which I'm really excited about. Uh, I, I've loved doing research for a long time and I really cannot wait to have like a dedicated block of a few years to work on some basic scientific problems. I, I really just cannot wait. It's gonna be so much fun and it's just like the one thing, the one light at the end of the tunnel that's really keeping me going in terms of this uh, board exam preparation is being able to go back to that once once I'm done. So whew, I cannot wait. All right, what's next on this uh, on this list right here? Fitness. So I guess I wrote this down because I'm about to go to the gym. But one of the things I've been trying to do since I've been back home, working on nothing else but studying for this exam, is trying to go to the gym every day, trying to get back into that groove, you know. And uh, you know, fitness. Everyone loves it. Everyone hates it. It's that thing you got to do that no one really wants to put the work into, myself included. But you know, I the 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 times in my life when I've been the the happiest and the most Centered and the most emotionally stable has always been times when I'm you know in in the gym you know rather frequently Doing weightlifting doing a lot of cardio doing a lot of running and so you know I I wouldn't mind getting back into that groove again And it it sucks because I feel like everyone goes through this where there's these boomer bust cycles We are really into going to the gym and we get into this nice groove and then we fall off the the treadmill for months or years at a time, Mys- myself especially, I've struggled with my fitness and I've struggled with my weight for probably most of my life, and it's hard. It's hard to to stay on it. I think part of it for me has always been that I always have this picture of myself in the future, the the quote unquote hypothetical evade in the future, where everything's peachy keen, I'm in good shape, I am at a good weight, and I'm really strong in terms of weightlifting, and I'm able to you know pump out uh, a few six minute miles and stuff. And when there, you know, there have been times in my life when I've been able to do subsets of those things. I've always just assumed that at some point in the future, it would all kind of magically come together and happen for me without much effort. But I'm kind of at an age where I thought I would already be there and I'm not. And so that's kind of been a big swift kick in the butt in terms of trying to get myself into a sustainable place fitness wise. It sucks. It's like a, it's a big, it's a big thing. I, you know, we, we learn about all this, all these things things that happen with the aging process in med school. And, you know, I'm what, twenty 23, 24 now, 23. And, you know, there's so many things that are going to start declining soon, if not already have started declining in terms of my ability to be fit. And so I, I, I got to get as much in as possible before, you know, before uh, it's, it's too late. That being said, there's plenty of people who have gotten really fit, uh, even once they're much older in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and onwards. But, you know, the the best time to start is now. And I, I, I definitely want to start now. So that's what I've been doing the last couple of weeks is, is really trying, trying to put in the work and trying to get in, you know, a lot of really good, decent, high quality time in the gym. And it's been working out nicely. I don't know. It's, it's, it's crazy because I'm not, I'm not all that strong compared to most people. Like when you go online and you, talk, and you go to fitness forums or bodybuilding forums and stuff, right? People are, Benching like 300 400 pounds and squatting like 500 pounds and it's, it's insane It's hard for me to do like even one plate like 135 on the bench right now. And It's it's great. It's fun to see those noob gains Move forward progressively, you know, and it, it, it's cool to see myself progress quickly because I'm so weak right now but it's crazy because there's people who, who have really been on the grind for a long time and have really seen results and It's so admirable to see those guys the other thing that's been kind of funny is that I feel like over the last few years, there's been this huge surge of athleisure type wear. Like now, it's cool to wear athletic type clothes outside, not just uh, not just at the gym. And I like to think that I pioneered that because I was wearing sweatpants and workout clothes to high school all day, every day. So I think I was the one that kind of started that trend. But no, that was a bad joke. It's probably Kanye that started all this, right? Kanye's always the one who's wearing really uh baggy casual clothes and making it more mainstream to do that stylishly but yeah i I've recently taken a, a really deep dip into this really uh cool and edgy trend called joggers I bought a bunch of joggers the other day from american eagle and i gotta say i i was a i was a doubter for a long time I was a huge jogger skeptic but I love them I love wearing my joggers around it's so comfy to to wear them around the house and i I feel more covered and my legs are warm and they're you know, they conform nicely to my legs. So I, I love my joggers. Joggers have been great for me. I, I, I'm still starting to get, I, I'm still starting to build up the courage to wear them outside of the house. I'm not quite there yet. I, I wore them outside of the house once, I think the other day, and I, I felt a, a little self-conscious. I don't really know why. Uh, I, I think it's just kind of a mental block I got to get over. So yeah, joggers, if you don't already have them, go buy them. And if you uh, do already have them, which you probably do. Then I'm sorry for bothering you so much about it. But joggers are great. I love them. Speaking of joggers uh, and 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 fashion, I don't know if you guys heard, but Kate Spade sadly passed away recently. It was reported that she um, allegedly took her own life, and it's so it's so sad to think about that. Because from what, from my what understanding, my limited understanding of of the fashion world, she was really held in high regard, and um, she she was she made a lot of money, and she really left her impact on the world of uh on the world of fashion so it's always sad to see a titan go like that and i don't know it's it's all sad because a lot of people myself especially these days peg their self-worth i guess against success and we just assume that if we're successful we'll be happy and if we're successful everything will just be great for us for the rest of our lives and it's just so sobering to realize that you know people no matter how successful they are have uh really intense battles with internal uh, personal demons and it's so hard and so difficult and so sobering to really see someone like kate spade even uh go through that and and eventually take her own life it's so sad um similarly another i guess less publicized um uh, event like this was Actually, something that I read on the, the medical school subreddit, um, there's a great medical school subreddit that I've been following a lot recently. There's a, a, essentially a, a user who posted, I think it was like a week or two ago, I remember seeing the post uh, and even avoiding up, up, up some of the good replies, where basically it was someone who had come down with a, a severe illness while in medical school and the mental repercussions of that illness plus the stresses of medical school made him really worry for his own safety. In terms of his ability to take care of himself, and there was a lot of great responses I think in the in in the post um, by people who were really you know worried for this for this individual. And sadly, today I believe, or maybe last night, the brother of that individual posted saying that 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 student had taken his own life. And it just it's so sad because we hear about these events, these these instances of uh, mental health uh, problems and and suicide in the medical community it's something that i've been touched by personally it's something that i i have spoken for on a, on a few choice occasions yeah but it's just so sad to see that happen uh you know more uh closely to to me i guess i i didn't know this person i didn't really know anything about them but it just feels so much more real because i it's like this username that i saw that was alive and posting uh just a week or two ago and now suddenly that that post or that comp that username won't be active anymore because the person that was behind it is no longer with us. So that's so sad to see, you know, but I don't know. It's, it's hard because I wish there was something more I can do. And I know that I probably could, but I I feel so guilty because I have not done a whole lot about it. I've done a small amount of, you know, both private and public advocacy for uh, mental health resources for medical students at my own institution. But it's, it's hard to make, you know, large, large changes for all of medicine both in the U.S. and around the world, um, just sitting from where I'm sitting right now, you know? And I don't know. It's definitely a personal goal of mine to one day, if I ever end up in a, in a position of power, to make that a, a huge priority, even if it is to the detriment of the economics of medicine, um, to b- take better care of medical students, uh, medical trainees, and medical faculty. Um, but for now, all I can do is talk about it and offer my condolences. Anyway, I thought maybe I would... And with uh, some some more light-hearted news or some better news, and that was this interesting new uh, paper that came out in Nature Medicine today. That was or a few days ago actually. That was covered really widely in the press, and uh, I thought I'd talk about it a little bit. And actually, maybe maybe one of these days I'll start talking or I'll read more these papers more deeply and talk about the intricacies of them far like beyond what. Is actually reported in the news but it's this paper that was entitled immune recognition of somatic mutations leading to complete durable regression in metastatic breast cancer and so the the way that this uh, uh, study was kind of uh, reported on in the the media was that oh a woman was treated and quote-unquote cured of her breast cancer without chemo Uh, and you know, totally true. And uh, I, th- I thought this was really an, an incredibly remarkable paper where basically what they did was they took the, the woman, the patient who uh, had a, what we call an HR positive, a hormone receptor positive uh, breast cancer. And um, they basically took the breast cancer, found uh, a, a few of the proteins that were mutated in that cancer. I think in this case it was four pro- proteins that were mutated in this cancer. And they created... Uh, uh, immune cells from the patient that targeted those mutated proteins and when you give those cells those immune cells that are engineered against those mutated proteins back to the patient uh, in combination with a checkpoint inhibitor which is basically a uh, a signal that inhibits the uh, don't eat me signal that cancer is put out it essentially uh, got this incredible result where this patient basically had a full regression of her breast cancer, which was metastatic and everything uh, for more than 22 months now. And it's really just so remarkable that, that this kind of treatment is possible. Now that we have the technology to isolate the specific protein uh, mutations in a patient's cancer to engineer cells against those mutations, and then to combine that with other existing immune based therapies to really knock out a, a a really otherwise devastating disease. The the one thing that I think people should talk more about, and I, I'm sure these talks are happening behind the scenes, is the cost. So all these treatments are incredibly promising, but any kind of cell-based therapy where you have to isolate cells and engineer cells and then reintroduce cells into the patient, they're crazy expensive because you can't do them on a mass-produced scale. The, the reason why they work so well is because they are custom-tailored to this patient's cancer right which is great it makes it really targeted it, it, it makes it uh a, a very robust therapy but it also makes it really expensive because how do you mass produce these kinds of techniques it's very difficult and even if you do it, it there's a lot of moving parts it isn't a simple pill that you can swap that you can give someone right it isn't a, 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 a simple chemical you can give someone even if that chemical costs a few hundred dollars this definitely costs tens or if not hundreds of thousands of dollars for this one patient and if you think about the number of uh, patients out there that have refractory breast cancer or prostate cancer or colon cancer or all, all these very high incidence cancers uh, it's, it's kind of crazy to think about the total cost that would uh, be incurred by society. If you were to uh, give this version of treatment to everyone, obviously this kind of treatment should be available to everyone. So I think the the other big thing that needs to be, that needs to be talked about that isn't talked about a whole lot is how do you scale up cell-based uh, cell-based treatments of cancer and, and other Uh, diseases um so that we we can harness this at a societal level anyways it's something i've been thinking about for a long time is is how do you how do you actually do that and um i i don't really know i don't know enough about the topic i don't know enough about um cell-based therapies right now at least to figure out how to do that but i i hope that someone somewhere is thinking deeply about it because i think it could be crazy crazily impactful so yeah, I, that, that was kind of fun. Talking about science was kind of fun. Maybe what I'll do in future episodes, I'll, I'll bring up a paper that's been talked about in the public and the media, read more deeply into the paper and um, describe it. And then I'll talk about some of the some of the media coverage and see how well the coverage tracked with the actual findings. Um, I, I thought in this case, it was actually done pretty well. I think the, the media did a good job of, um, of talking about the results of this paper and, and being pretty good about not being too sensationalized about it. I, I do find that a lot of science reporting these days is overly hyped, overly sensationalized, and it makes it makes everyone feel like the cure for every single disease out there is immediate without any side effects, and um, it's it's not it's not quite how things work in medicine. Un- unfortunately, I think that it creates crazy expectations for doctors and for medical researchers to have those kinds of articles out there, and it also makes it difficult for patients when they are diagnosed with with severe illnesses and they expect that there's uh, some miracle cure out there. And unfortunately, while we have, you know, while I would say most of modern medicine is really a miracle, uh, we can do unbelievable things that people wouldn't have even uh, been able to conceive of 10, 20, 30 years ago. There's still a lot of stuff out there that needs to be worked on. And I think there's a big disconnect between the expectations that the media puts out there for patients and what is actually possible for, uh, for patients um, in, in, in the clinic. So anyways, maybe I'll talk, I'll talk more about that next time for now. I'm going to log off and and go off to the gym and, you know, get back into the grind. But, uh, thanks for listening for this to the second episode. Um, if you liked it, let me know and I'll keep making more. Actually, if you're listening to this, I'm, I'm only going to be publishing these if I get through three of them and, and I enjoy doing them. And so if you're listening to this, it means there's at least three out there. So there's one more for you to listen to, go listen to that. And, uh, I will talk to you guys in the next one. Thanks and see you next time.